0: Welcome to the Everything Leafs Podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza as always. Nick, it finally happened. The Leafs have won a playoff series for the first time since 2004. I heard you were at the square. I want to get your uh, the instant reaction here.
1: Yeah, well, I wasn't watching the game at the square. I was just watching pretty much right beside it. But as soon as they scored, I mean, once we collected ourselves, we were able to go on to the... Uh, able to go to the square see what was going on there i'm still like kind of at a loss for words for last night like it was su- such an amazing night just seeing i mean the game in itself was so tight and it was so tense and then as soon as that goal went in it was just something else like just seeing the fans out there um we, there was there were 60 year olds out there there was 12 year olds there people with gilmore jerseys i saw a hal gill jersey a m- bunch of marner and matthews spezza and Sunday and just just like through the ages and as when you see those jerseys it's it's just it's just crazy how many different iterations of this team <laughs> there's been over the last nineteen years and uh just a special night, like it was it was just an amazing game and, and I'm still kinda lost for words. It was amazing.
0: Yeah, and like if you just think about it, like Matthew Nyes was a year and a half when the Leafs last round won a playoff round he was on for all three overtime goals Has a great view of all three he is the overtime PDO greatest of all time greatest of all time for that guy
1: um yeah I tweeted earlier three assists and they were all yeah that was a big yeah three assists they're all primary they're all primary assists he's all very a part of each goal like you know it's amazing like he's almost the uh He's almost like the guy who's come in obviously he had all those demons from like that tampa arena when his minnesota final and he just said he came in and he was just said i'm, I'm rewriting my script but like what a series for him
0: yeah and then I, I tweeted earlier like the last time they won jason spezza was matthew nice's age and got healthy scratched for game seven when they beat when the leafs beat ottawa so he was in the building for both probably one of the only people on the planet who was in the building for both and like that, now he's I wonder if
1: he had the same reaction. Now he's a special, yeah. Back then. I think he
0: was I think he was cheering for the least just as quietly. Yeah. Probably.
1: Yeah. Probably. Especially if he's getting healthy scratched by Shock Martin <laughs> back then. <laughs> he's just quietly cheering.
0: But I guess would it remind him like I guess first question for you is just like did you think they were going to win heading into the game? Like, an hour before the game, what were the vibes? Were you, were you feeling good and confident, or were you feeling like like this was going seven?
1: I Before game five, I will say I was very confident. I said, this team's going to get it done tonight in Toronto. You just felt like the fan base was very much behind them. You knew the crowd was going to be really loud, which they were, Um I didn't know I said on the last podcast I was expecting a tight game and I I just felt like the Leafs were going to squeeze that one through. Obviously it didn't work out. And after that goal went in, the AC Mont goal um, on Samsonov, it it definitely deflated me. It felt like that game felt like we've watched that game 5 to 6 times over the last couple of years. Like that respo- that that reminded me of games against Columbus. It reminded me of game 5 against Montreal, even game 7. Remind me of Game Seven last year against the Lightning, where you know a kind of a a, a bad goal goes in against the Leafs, and they just cannot solve an All Star goalie on the other end. So going into tomorrow, like I mean, sorry, going into yesterday, I would say the vibes were, I was nervous, um, and I like I had a few friends ask me like, do you think they're gonna win? And I said to them, anyone who tells you that they're confident in what's gonna happen tonight, going either way has no idea what they're talking about because obviously we've seen what's happened over the past couple years it it was just a it was just I was definitely unsure definitely a mystery going into yesterday so when that puck went in it was just amazing
0: yeah I was not at all confident I think I can speak for most like I think almost everyone in the city of Toronto was not overly confident and a few reasons like one it's just obviously the history. You've seen the Leafs time after time after time lose these games where they have a chance to move on. And then, you know, Tampa lost the two their first two home games and they're outstanding at home. Like just year after year their home record's phenomenal. And then you know, I'm thinking like okay, Vasilevsky hasn't stolen a game yet, really, right? Like a lot of these games the Leafs have won Either they haven't really deserved it, or it's been a pretty fifty-fifty game. I don't think Vasilevsky ever really stole a game, so I, I just that's what I thought was going to happen. But happy to be wrong. Uh, it really felt. I think once overtime hit, the game that I compared it to, like the thought that popped in my head was the Canada versus USA at the Olympics in twenty ten. Like hmm. we haven't really seen an overtime like that like I don't know like unfortunately like the Columbus year the, the Montreal year like there there weren't fans and that made a huge difference so just just oh a, a, that type of not the same atmosphere because it was in in Tampa not Toronto if it was in Toronto it would have been nuts but it, it definitely felt like okay it was just one bounce is all they need and they finally got it they never get a bounce remember that year against Carey Price and over time, you save save after save, couldn't get a break. They finally get a oh. bit of a break. It wasn't the prettiest goal, but it certainly counts. So hats off to John DeVaris. Uh, cool to see the captain get it, um, and and the the celebrations, whether it be from the Leafs themselves or Sheldon Keith jumping like ten feet in the air, or Kyle Dubis like <laughs> losing his mind, um, or just Leafs fans that you see in, in videos in downtown Toronto. Mm-hmm. Just just a wicked, wicked celebrations.
1: It's. Like, I thought content after a regular win, even a regular season win, like content, like I'm just watching everything. And then now after a series win, it's like I'm watching, I'm re-watching Simmons in the press box cheering and I'm re-watching like Justin Hall, like how him yelling and screaming after they won that video of him. Muzzin and Matthews hugging like this. Just the handshake line has never been so fun to watch. Um, I mean... It's, it's pretty, it was was a pretty cool game and, and I don't know, it's just so funny because, like, even in the Twitter era or in this era of, like, there's never been a Leafs win. Like, 2004, we were just, you'd just go outside and people would be honking and things like that. So, yeah, yesterday, this, this whole thing has been really, really cool and especially to be able to watch a game seven tonight without even worrying, like, just waiting for the team that's going to win is, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, the, the difference in like, tension for today is ridiculous and even like sports talk radio tomorrow like all the the morning shows like any any toronto sports radio tomorrow is going to be so much different uh following the win if it was game seven things would just be so tense like i i think you would have had just nervous person after nervous person in the city of toronto i don't think much work was gonna get done on monday if the leafs didn't win because everyone would have just been on edge
1: it's funny because we've recorded before Game Sevens before. I know you've you've written some really good articles before Game Seven. Like I still remember your article before the Montreal series, and it's like all those things. Our podcasts were like, so tense, and it's it's this is this one's going to be completely different once we start talking about the team. Completely different.
0: Yeah. So there's a bunch to get to. um I don't want to go game by game. I mean, we kind of did it in the last podcast, but. If we look at the series overall, who are you giving the series MVP to? If you had to give a belt for the series, like there are quite a few candidates. I don't think it's obvious whatsoever. No. I, I really have no idea who you're going to pick, but I'm interested to see if we have the same person.
1: Yeah, for me, there's three main people. Like we're probably going to get to them, but I'm going to go with Austin Matthews. I, I just think that he, he needed to be a two-way dynamo in the series. Um, there hasn't really been you know he's had good series but he never really had that series where he really took this team and and put him on his back like to, you know we've seen McDavid do it we've seen McKinnon do it you know was Matthews ever going to be that guy who could puck carry like carry the puck through the zone and go end to end no but i thought Matthews did it in the way that he's able to do and and like you look at the way he played and game 1 and 2 he has two assists in each game game 3 he scores Um, a pretty important goal there. He scores two in game four during the the comeback. In game five, they lost that game, but he scores the goal to to bring them back and and it kind of makes it a game. And then in game six, he obviously scores the game-tying goal, which was just a huge goal for them. And really, Austin Matthews' patented goal where he finds some open space, he's almost doing a turnaround, and he gets so much power on that slap shot. It's... I think for me, like the takeaways, the physical play, um, how much he commanded the middle of the ice, he was taking on top competition all all series pretty much. Um, for me, he's the MVP, and, and I think he needed to be the MVP. But for me, there's a there's a close second and a close third, and I, well, I think you're probably gonna pick one of them.
0: Yeah, I think it has to be Matthews, just the way he broke it down. Um, obviously, it was the it wasn't the game tying; it was the game opening goal last night. But he had the game tying the other game. Um, yeah, the two huge goals to pull him back in, the, in that one game. So I guess, like, the amount of goals he scored, it probably has to be him. Um, there are a few candidates. And I think the other guy, like, I, I agree with your Matthews one. I think that's perfectly, you know, that's probably my pick as well. But I think the other player who is, is right there with him is Morgan Riley. And it's not mm-hmm. something I expected because he did not have a great regular season. He's been a bit of a liability on defense um, throughout the year. But the Leafs just dominated his minutes. And you look at his stat line, like, nothing in game one, but then four assists in game two. Then he goes a goal in three straight games. Like it, Remember that stretch he was on like at the start of the season? He could not score to save his life. To score yes. three in a row, yes, there's some luck involved in it, but adds another assist in, in game six. And then you just look at the numbers. Like, the way the Leafs defense broke down was, you know, the the Giordano pair struggled. Obviously, that's why we saw lineup changes. They struggled greatly. The McKay Brody pair, I would say, played fairly well, but they had the tough matchups. And then yeah. the Riley Shen pairing just dominated. And I don't think we were expecting that. I certainly wasn't expecting that, um, given how Riley's played. You know, I wasn't sure how how Shen would do in the playoffs with his lack of foot speed, but. I do think that, you know, Riley was just a massive, massive player. Like, he was well worth his contract in this series. Uh, obviously, there's there's a long way to go here. You'd like to see the Leafs win another round or a couple other rounds, but he's a huge part of the reason why they're moving on. So, is that your number
1: two? Easily. And, and you know, I mean, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that, especially myself, like, I've been pretty critical of Riley, and, and I, I think a lot of it was warranted like i think we all know we've seen riley play for for so many years now i think we know the ins and outs of him we know how good of a player he can be um throughout the regular season i didn't think he was playing his best and and today i think we saw or sorry this series i think we saw the best riley we've seen in throughout his career i mean he's had some really good playoff performances but he was so good this series um him and shen were were really good the Leafs won their their minutes like crazy I mean it was the Leafs were outscored Tampa 9-3 in Riley's minutes um game three and four the Leafs were trailing for most of those two games so I just felt like Riley's skill set and what he brought to the table just was so welcomed and and they really needed him to be good and he leads the team right now in even strength points which if someone told me that at the beginning of this series that that was going to happen, I wouldn't believe them, especially the way Riley played during the regular season. So um if every season he's not very good in the regular season but brings this game in the playoffs, like I'm never going to complain about him again cuz that's how good he well, was this series. You probably will we,
0: because he doesn't need to play that in season. Don't hold me
1: to like, that, but we're 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 12 hours from game a, a series win, so I'm starting to wonder for, for like, right now I forgive him.
0: <laughs> I'm starting to wonder, like, if that guy is... Like, if I'm Sheldon Keefe next year and it's, like, game 40 and my team doesn't have it, I'm going to be like, uh, Morgan, uh, I know you could do better than this. We've seen it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's just taking it easy out there in the regular season. I don't know what's going on. But so far, so good in terms of the playoffs. Who would be your number three? Because I have, I have two guys. I mean, there's there are... It was a bit of a series so where you had a lot of positives and you did have a decent amount of negatives, right? Like, I think you can almost it was kind of a, a, a pretty sp- even split i would say in terms of like individual player performances you do have some some clear negatives but in terms of in terms of number 3 there's two guys that come to mind yeah. for me who would be your third star
1: yeah like my 3 and 4 samsonov and martner yeah Sam. um yeah i, didn't know I mean, how to of them yeah it's tough to say i mean when if you just let's talk about samsonov first this is a guy who the Capitals virtually gave up on, and he was an RFA last year. They did not even qualify him. So that's why he became a UFA, and the Leafs were able to sign him in the first place. Um, I, I think it was you who you, you put out a, a tweet saying who are the Leafs goalies going to be next year. And I don't think anyone had Samsonov as an option there, or and definitely didn't have Samsonov-Murray. Like That's how unknown it was going to be, because everyone thought that he was probably just going to stay with the Capitals. They don't even qualify him, and he becomes uh, available. And even after the Leafs signed him, it was almost it was a bit of a risk there because it was a one year deal. He had like a a track record of not playing very well when he had a chance to become the number one goalie. I think he was one in four or one in five in playoff games. So the fact that he came out, you know, he had a nine hundred this this playoff series, but. There were games that I felt like he definitely stole. He came up big at huge times during the series, especially last night, um, and in Game Three he was really, really good. So, you know, he had a he had a rough Game One, but since then I think he's been really, really good. So for me, he's definitely you know the third or fourth star, and the Leafs really needed a good playoff goaltending uh, performance from him.
0: Yeah, we've seen time after time, you know, the Leafs goaltenders let him down in the playoffs, like. Freddie Anderson had some amazing regular seasons and, and some pretty weak playoffs. Um, you know, I don't think Jack Campbell was the reason they lost, but you know he wasn't fantastic or anything. But um, you know, Samson Samsonov did allow a couple weak goals throughout the series, but he did steal games. Like the the Leafs did not dominate Tampa. I actually surprised; like they actually slightly lost the expected goals battle. And I mean, who cares? But at the same time, like that is not the series I was expecting. I was—I think the last time we recorded, you know, before the playoffs started, I thought the Leafs would outplay Tampa at five-on-five, five, and Tampa would have the edge on special teams. Well, potentially have the edge in special teams, and then they'd be—they'd really be relying on special teams and goaltending, right? And that is not what happened. Um, yeah, you know, this—I think Tampa's special teams were, were pretty good. I don't know if Toronto's were excellent. I would say that it, it wasn't, but. Um, Samsonov definitely kept them in games and gave them a chance to win and just never gave up that soft goal in overtime. To go, to go 3-0 and in overtime, Like those are high-pressure situations, and, and Samsonov didn't fled, flinch. He, he was fantastic. So, yeah, he's probably number three for me. Marner is, is right there, too. You look at his goal differential, um, he's tied for the best goal differential in the playoffs right now at plus seven at 5 5 Obviously, he's a, he's a valuable penalty killer. He plays on the power play, um, plays huge minutes. And it just felt like whatever line he was on had success, right? So you, I'm just looking at the numbers. He's just shy of 63% in terms of expected goals. Uh, you look at just the, the defense. Like, Tampa could not get anything going when he was on the ice because he's so good at getting into passing lanes. He's so good at generating takeaways. Such a good playmaker. Finishes with, I think it was 11 points. Uh, just a fantastic series from Marner. I thought he was a little bit better, maybe at the start, um, where the puck was just going, maybe just going in more. Um, I thought Game Six was just a, such a tight defensive game both ways, um, but he did create a couple chances. Uh, so he was he was fantastic. Like it's it's nice to sit here and be talking about how good Matthews, Marner, Riley have been because we have had these podcasts, you know, in years past where we're not saying that after a playoff series, uh, those guys. All three of them really stepped up in a, in a big way. Um, and There are quite a lot of positives that we can go through, Nick, but yeah, before we get into more players, I wanted, I think we have to give some credit to both Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe. Which one do you want to start with?
1: Let's start with, the. I think, obviously, Keefe took a lot of criticism this playoff round. Um, I also want to give him his credit where it's due because I think he had a good series. Let's go with Dubas first, though, because um you know i think his trade deadline even at the time that it happened it was very positive in terms of the way the fan base took it um he made a lot of moves he had about eight to nine defensemen we look at the way the series went obviously they had hall giordano that was not doing too well and they had the option to change and they did in game six um they put in both lilligrant and gustafson so you know they still had connor Timmons, who was the only guy really that you know, didn't play this series, but he is also an NHL defenseman, and and that ended up being very vital in Game 6. I thought they looked much better in the, the neutral zone. Um, his other deadline ads, Nolachari I thought had a good series. Very good. Um, very physical. A lot of block shots. He had two very important goals a little bit earlier in the series. I mean, I, I think Ryan O'Reilly should honestly have a, a segment of his own. And but we'll 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 keep it to Dubis. Obviously we see with Nyes, you know, that was a, a steal of a draft pick that they had last year. And you know, I, I think building a team that's good defensively, I think it takes time in the NHL and and I think Dubis deserves a lot of credit for maintaining and keeping the core four sticking with his guys while still adding a good defensive team and making them a very good defensive team. And I think he, he deserves a lot of credit because the first three wins the Leafs scored over five goals in each of those games and they were able to score a lot and that offense that he kept it was very important but they also won a 2-1 game last night a very tight checking game I think the Leafs can just win a number of different ways right now that um, you know he deserves a lot of credit for that so yeah definitely a lot of credit for Dubas and with this win
0: yeah and I think you alluded to it earlier like the deadline's one thing, but even at this, if you if you go back to last off season when you said when I put out that tweet saying like predict who the two goalies are gonna be, if you look at the answers, they were like they're hilarious in hindsight, right? Like, <laughs> I, I think there was a lot of flurry, shalgren Flurry did not have a good year. Shalgren is like not even playing for the Marlies right now. Um, there was some people like thinking they bring Mrazek back, or you know, thinking he'd bounce back or something. I think there was a lot of Jack Campbell, bring back Jack Campbell at the time. Um, it was a mess. Like, uh, if you look at all the goalies that got moved last year, and you just look at, like, okay, if you could go back and had a time machine, what would you do? I, I, obviously, the Murray ones, it, it, unfortunately, with injuries, like, I, I thought he was fine, but Samsonov's just been outstanding. And if you just take it, like, them as a tandem, it is a huge win, right? Um, he's an RFA, he's young and, and it just his performance not just in the regular season, but to also do it in the playoffs when the pressure's the highest. Um, when you look at because that was really the, the Dubas' biggest question in the offseason was goaltending and he did not have you know an easy fix out there, right? Like it wasn't like Connor Hellebuck was coming to him as a free agent and going, hey, like I'll take a huge discount to sign here. Uh, I want to be a Leaf for Life or something like that. Like, it was, I would say, very controversial, his goaltending decisions, um, where, you know, you were kind of banking on one of Murray and and Samsonov to step up. One of them definitely did, and it's been fantastic. Like, I cannot stress how good the goaltending decisions were. I mean, in hindsight, you had just probably taken both Washington goalies, Vanecek and Samsonov. um, But... When you look at all the options available, he hit that one out of the park. You alluded to the Nye's pick; that was huge. The Yarn Croak signing—you know—he had an up and down series. Yarn Croak, but you know, the least one has minute pretty handedly. He was strong defensively, which I think gets under—you uh, know—a little bit underlooked. You look at the TJ Brody signing from way back when; like, obviously, he's so far into his tenure now that this team is is his. Like, every, every player basically is is Dubis's. Um, But then you look at the deadline and you compare Toronto's deadline to Tampa's deadline. Like, O'Reilly was huge scoring that game-tying goal. Achari, I thought, was fantastic winning puck battle after puck battle. Scored some big goals early. He set up that chance for Matthews in the third, in game six. That was fantastic. Um, McCabe was... was, McCabe and Shen were just physical menaces, but also strong defensively. Um, You know, Shen... Fantastic, just dominated. But McCabe too, like McCabe had a tough assignment. Kucherov point, like the the, the Brody McCabe pair, a little bit shaky as puck movers at times. But and I know McCabe maybe didn't have the best overtime. But if you just look at their their track record over the six games, they were very strong. Um, Lafferty's iffy, but other than that, like I mean, who cares about Lafferty? Is he's kind of a throw-in in that deal? Maybe he'll have a maybe he'll get back in and play well. But you just look at. Toronto's deadline versus Tampa and that's why they won the series, right? Like if, if Tampa has a better deadline, Tampa wins the series.
1: Yeah, it was that it, it was a very close series. When, when I think about McCabe, he was 25% D-zone starts. His you know, you kind of alluded to it, but most played against opponents at 5 on 5. Point Kucherov Stamkos. He had some big hits throughout the series at key times. Um, get a big hit in game 1 uh, with AC Mont that really wasn't going. Like, he had a lot of hits because oh, he's just...
0: fourth in the NHL in hits. But like, if you looked at the they were quality times qu- quality, like quantity times quality, he'd be up there. Like he had some big ones.
1: Yeah, even the timing of the hits, right? Like the, the, these weren't like garbage timed hits when in like game one or two when the game was already done. These these were right in the thick of things. Um, he had a big one on Hagel in game in game five. Um, but I thought McCabe was excellent. You know, kind of bringing it back to Dubis. Obviously, with the Muzzin injury, um, it was a tough spot. It put the Leafs in a very tough spot. Muzzin was eating some big minutes. He was taking on top competition. He was in the D zone quite a bit because of the zone starts. And one big question that a lot of people had was, like, who's going to replace Muzzin? Who's going to replace that physicality? Who's going to replace those minutes? And is there a defenseman out there that can do it? And for potentially cheaper. And Kyle Dubas found that guy. McCabe's only costing them two million a year for this year and for the next two. They only gave up a first and they also got Lafferty for another year. I think that that's an absolute A plus 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 trade. I think it looks better today than it did on the day that they traded for him, and on that day it looked amazing. So um the deadline looks really good. And also O'Reilly, like I know he only had three points this series, but nine takeaways, big points, nine takeaways throughout the series. I thought he just won every single battle. Um, Only three giveaways. In terms of takeaway, giveaway differential, he was the best on the Leafs by far. Um, I thought he was physical when he needed to. Wasn't the greatest in the faceoffs this uh, this series, but he took some really important faceoffs, and and he just is one of those guys that plays winning hockey. It doesn't always show up on the the score sheet, but I thought he I thought he was excellent.
0: Yeah, and he's like sometimes I think we overvalue intangibles and in leadership, but he is a guy that like I one hundred percent believe like is amazing for the room. Like in terms of just having the right mindset going into an overtime or going into a tough road game, like that is a guy I want in my locker room. So I I legitimately value that with him. And then um, the other thing, too, Nick, with McCabe, is like if you go back to the middle of the season, there was a time where the Leafs were playing very good hockey, like very strong defensive hockey. There was not much going in their net. And they were going Riley Brody as their top pair. And then their second pair, their shutdown pair at the time, was Mark Giordano with Justin Hall. And that was working for quite a while like, in the regular season, and it was to the point where you're going, you know, it would be nice for the Leafs to get a defenseman, but they might not need to get a defenseman, right? And it was tough to see who was going to be available, right? Like, do you overpay? Like, do you pay big for a rental and get Orlov? Because that probably took you out of the O'Reilly, like, if you're going on that big of a rental. Um, Or do you you leave it, you know, and, and, and you trust what you have? And, like, looking back at that now... Like, there is, obviously, the way Giordano Hall played, like, thank goodness they weren't tasked with with the big, you know, as, as your only shutdown pair, right? Like, they were kind of supposed to be a secondary shutdown pair, but, like, having McKay Brody against that big line was, was incredibly valuable. Like, I can't say enough about Brody. Like, I know he's a bit shaky with the puck a bit, and he took a, a weird amount of criticism, but... You just look at that guy's numbers. Like Tampa did not get shots when he was on the ice, and he played tough competition. Like the the five on five numbers for Kucherov and Point, I think they have like, I, I don't think either scored at five on five, and maybe they both had a, a couple of assists. But man, is that guy good defensively? You look at his his impacts throughout the regular season, and and even just his playoff track record is fantastic too. Like that guy is a very very underrated player on the Leafs. Uh, not overly physical, but that mckay Brody pair, like they can just do it all. They're big. They they're good stick on stick defenders. Good transition defenders. They're good in front of the net. Um, can't say enough about them. And then um, let's get into Luke Shen quick here because like what a surprise! Like I was I kind of wanted him in the off season. Like I thought, like going if you if you rewind a bit, I I thought they might move Justin Hall because they had to get under the cap. They turned out not getting under the cap because Muzzin got hurt, so they didn't have to. Um, Just the timing of injuries, the the, the Leafs didn't end up moving someone. But Luke Shen was a guy where, you know, he made under a million. I thought, you know, he'd be a great seventh defenseman, you know, as a depth guy. But you see how he does, and you hopefully don't play him in the playoffs. The Leafs trade for him. I think everyone was a little bit iffy on him at the time. Not everyone. I'm sure there are some big supporters. But, um, like, you look at. Lilligren's numbers and how he was playing at, at the time of the trade, and, and Lilligren hadn't fall, fallen off yet. I think he struggled at the end, but you know, adding Shen at first I was kind of like, why are they doing it? Like, I like the player, but they have so many defensemen. But man, was he good. Like, just dominant from a physical battle standpoint. Like, really nice to have that toughness in your lineup, but also just like, very good defensively. Very poised with the puck. The pressure never really seemed to got, get to him and seems to be like the perfect fit with Morgan Riley. So, I mean, that guy's a huge storyline. I can't believe we're watching Luke Shen play for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs and like dominate. Like, if you would have told me that a few years ago, I would have thought you're crazy.
1: I, I, I know at the beginning when we last recorded, or before the series when we recorded, we talked about Riley Shen and I felt like. You, you, I kind of felt like I knew what I was going to get with Shen, but he really, really still impressed me. Um, the defensive, you know, the net front defense and just him boxing out guys, I think was just such a welcome thing to see in the playoffs for the Leafs. I think they've just struggled with that in the last couple of years. So having a physical guy like Shen, having a guy who could go head-to-head with Maroon, like they were going at it all six games. Um, so having a guy that could, you know, kind of, Neutralize Maroon and Perry, and and the stuff that they were doing was really, really nice. Um, It having him on the ice kind of allowed Riley to be aggressive, but I I didn't think Riley was really overly aggressive. I thought he picked his spots really well, but he did, and that I felt regular season no, and that's the biggest thing, right? Is is picking his spots for Riley, but also having Shen back there, his puck moving completely impressed me like you said he was so poised he didn't force anything um i loved it um i thought he was just excellent Let, let's segue into sheldon keith here because i do think that as we're talking about riley shen i think keith did a pretty good job of, of making sure that they got good minutes um game three and four when they were trailing riley got a ton of minutes there um I think Keefe had a better series than a lot of people say. I think anytime a team is losing, or you know, even in the past when we look at the Montreal series, and I hear I hear people say, "Well, Sheldon Keefe got outcoached." I think sometimes when when the Leafs have lost, it's like automatically the coach's fault. Where I mean, well, Carey Price I don't just know. plays very very well, um, and he. Like, Carey Price plays very, very well. In Columbus, they shoot 2%. Uh, I don't know if it's as easy to just say, you know, someone out-coaches the other because one team wins, one team loses. But I think he had a good series overall here. Maybe he was a game too late in terms of taking Justin Hall out of the lineup and putting in Timothy Lilligren. But in the end, he gets his win. He gets his bounce here because I think he's just gone so unlucky the past couple years. Um, I think overall he had a great series. I think he deserves this win. And, um, you know, the stars were put in good positions here. There was a ton of spots where they kind of hemmed guys in. And they'd have the third or fourth line hemmed in. And Keefe would throw out Matthews Marner. And it led to some pretty big goals throughout the series. And I don't think that's always kind of covered or or talked about. But Sean Keith has his fingerprints all over that.
0: Yeah, I thought he had a big game six. Uh, In terms of the 11-7, it it worked. Yeah. You know, I think keith has been a very strong regular season coach in the past. You know, I, I get your point, and I agree with you, that it's a lot easier to, you know, if a coach can win or if he gets, if, if Carey Price doesn't stand on his head or if the Leafs don't shoot 2% every year, you know, Keith looks a lot better. I mean, there have been some questionable decisions in the playoffs, uh, as I alluded to last, I think, in our, in our last podcast. Like, I mean, we can go through it but like, playing the at center, stacking the top line of Tavares. Thornton Power Play one. We can kind of, th- there's been enough there that, you know, to complain about. Um, but then you look at this series, and one of the big questions in game one was Lilligren versus Shen, right? And, you know, I think Justin Hall was, was safe. Like, I think almost every coach would have played Justin Hall. Um, yeah. And then that, that decision proved to be, you know, great because Shen, Shen was fantastic. Um, and then, you know, you can criti- you can criticize the game one lineup. I didn't think it was egregious to put, to do the top, like the stack top six. I thought it was okay. Um, but he quickly adjusted. Um, I, I, I think you can definitely nitpick in terms of, you know, did he wait a little bit too long to make adjustments, as you said? Like, was Justin Holland a game too many or two games too many? You know, was the the fourth line have been broken up earlier? Um, but. I have to give him a lot of credit because that 11 7 lineup looked outstanding, right? Like, yeah. Maybe you put Hall in for the penalty kill instead of Gustafson or something if you want. Maybe that's what they do against Boston. We'll see. But um, the 11 7 thing worked. Like, it, it was, they played a very good game. Like, I thought both teams, like, the series was up and down where, like, you know, Tampa had some nights off, the Leafs had some rough games. But, like, I thought Game 6 was just, like, two good teams playing good, responsible defensive hockey. Um, and, you know, give Keith credit because he made quite a few good lineup decisions there. And and the Leafs ended up winning. So, it was cool to see his reaction. Uh, I do have some concerns about how they played. Like, not to be too negative after the win, but, like, they didn't have a dominant team Series against Tampa, and I think they they should have been the better team for more games, uh, especially the middle six. Like I think the Matthews Marner, Matthews Marner delivered, um, but you look at like Tampa's. You, you look at like which players on Tampa had success, Nick, and it's not the Kucherov points. It's like the second and third lines, right? Like Sorelli and Kalorn and Hagel. And, like, even, even Tampa's fourth line. And I'm looking at the two lineups going, you know, the Leafs should be winning these minutes with guys like O'Reilly and guys like Tavares, right? Guys like Nylander. So definitely not a perfect series. I don't know if if Cooper outcoached Keefe in terms of neutral zone play because the Leafs did struggle to get chances um, and get in the offensive zone for, for quite a while. But in the end, like, who cares? Like, we've seen the Leafs win like outplay their opponents in the playoffs before right like they outplayed Montreal and I guess like this is obvious no one no one necessarily cares it it is a recipe like you need to try to fix some things going forward but the win is what counts and you know I obviously everyone's very very happy but there are I guess a few questions so Maybe before we get to the negatives, though, let's get into, I think, there's one more guy we haven't really talked about, and that's Matthew Nyes. What did you think of Nyes?
1: I think last night he showed the same things he showed all series. It it almost feels like he's growing every game, um, but just very strong along the boards. Um, His ability to go from the boards to the middle of the ice is something that we saw in college. He somehow carried that over in the first you know six or five playoff games that he, he's now played um, i thought he looked like a guy who not only was trying to just contribute but actually trying to be a difference maker and, and i think that confidence and just to see that that early and and on this type of a stage was pretty special so i'm excited to see him in the next round um he is no doubt a lock in the lineup like I don't think that should be a conversation at all whether he should be in or out I don't see him getting scratched um pretty much for the rest of the playoffs as as far as far as the Leafs go because I think he's been that good
0: yeah unless he gets tired like I could see him getting tired just with the adjustment to the schedule um but if he keeps playing the way he's playing he's gonna be in the lineup uh you know just he had a bit of a you know, I don't think it was egregious the first goal against there in Game Six. It wasn't the best play for him, but you look at the the board work, like just outmuscling Sergachev before ahead of that Tavares winner, and um, you know his ability to just put defenders in a spin cycle, his ability to, to lift sticks. You know, he's gonna outmuscle NHL defenders even though he's a rookie. Um, very very impressive. Um, I thought he was really as good as Leafs fans could have hoped hoped for, like in terms of just expectations. Um, let's get into a few negatives. I think the other one that, in terms of Keith, that I missed was Bunting. Like I wish that he played Bunting, uh, a game early because I thought Bunting was outstanding in Game Six. Um, yeah, he he wrung he yeah. that one off the I don't know was the post the crossbar, but um, would have liked to see him a little bit sooner. Um, but but in terms of negatives, I I, I think number one has to be Giordano Hall. Like, they are on for a ton of chances and a ton of goals. And, you know, I, I do think there was maybe some bad save percentage luck, but, like, Giordano in particular, his, like, the chances Tampa got when he was on the ice in terms of expected goals, like, through the roof. Um, so, you know, Lilligren, and, and credit to Lilligren, like, that was not, he only played 10 minutes, I think, but not an easy task to come in cold in a, in, in a game six, and... He handled himself pretty well. Wasn't on for a goal against. Um, Giordano Hall has to be the big negative, and I guess the fourth line would be my second one.
1: Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. I know I think you're bang on there. I think the the third pairing, Giordano Hall. the The good thing about it though is that they have options, right? Like they can easily put in Lilligren, which they did last night. It looked great. Even Gustafson, he really surprised me. Um, I thought that his puck moving was just a really welcome thing in the series where the Leafs just don't really have that many high-end puck movers other than Riley. And, you know, I would say Brody, McCabe are capable puck movers. I think they're quite... I wouldn't say they're, like, standout puck movers, though, where Gustafson is. So I really liked seeing Gustafson in it. I don't know... I I just like the fact that they'll have that option and he's played a playoff game, especially going into the second round. And then with the fourth line... I, I. I mean, I think both you and I didn't love that fourth line going into the playoffs. Uh, I know I definitely was iffy about it. I know they were had some chemistry for the last month going into the season, but um, going into the postseason, sorry. So it's one of those things where I think the Leafs have options, right? They can go 11-7. They don't need to dress both Lafferty and Zach Aston-Reese, and especially when Bunting is actually in the lineup. So... I guess if you had to pick, like, going into the second round, they've won the series, what are the negatives? If you had to pick, like, you probably pick your third pair and the easily. fourth line to be, like, huge problems. So I guess from that standpoint, it's it's okay because they're easily fixable just from a, a lineup change. So, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see what go, what happens. But, yeah, I mean, I think we learned that <laughs> a third pairing can definitely swing a series because yeah Tall was on the ice a lot i know he did have he did play you know he, i definitely don't think he got sheltered minutes or anything like most third pairs do but i mean if you're going to be in those types of situations then you definitely just don't want that many goals going in and, and you know considering they didn't really play that much
0: yeah yeah that that one's definitely the big negative uh i think you need at least one or a giordano hall to step up because they are you know Fine defensively, like that's their skill set, yeah. that's what they're paid to do. Um, like I don't think a, a Gustafson Lilligren pairing would be pretty risky. Um, so I'm hoping at least one of them steps up, ideally it's Giordano, and, and you know, the Giordano Lilligren pair just works from here on out. That'd be great. Uh, I think if Gustafson was like a young player who got drafted by the Leafs, he'd be a very, very popular because like his numbers are pretty good. Like, I think it's he has, like the best five on five goal differential like, regular season, um, if you take, like, his full career, like, it's, I, I don't have the stat in front of me, but, like, just his on, like, when he's on the ice, his teams do really well versus when he's off the ice, and then his playoff numbers in his career are pretty strong, too, like, he does probably get sheltered minutes, so that probably helps a lot, but, um, he is a underrated puck mover, he was on for that goal against, didn't love that, but, uh, I do think he looks, he looks capable, um, and then, yeah, I I don't want to talk about Pierre Engvall because I don't think anyone wants to hear it, but Camp needs a better puck carrier on his line. Like Engvall did have value in that he could transition the puck and get you in the offensive zone. He wasn't going to do much with it all the time when he got there, but I, I, I think Camp, whether he plays with Kerfoot or something, someone with a little bit more transition skill because that fourth line, they did get a lot of defensive zone starts, but... They couldn't get in the zone with control, right? Like, it just felt like they'd get... Even if, like, once they got the puck, they are just giving it right back. So you need at least a well, little they couldn't bit even, more... They
1: couldn't even leave the zone. That was a big problem. Like, let alone yeah. them get through the neutral zone. They couldn't even, uh, like, exit with control, which was just... Which is even worse than not sustaining offensive zone. No. <laughs> zone, uh, and I think they, there. So, I yeah, think they it wanted a
0: Lafferty game. to be the entry guy there. But, you know, even though he's fast, no. he just doesn't have a handle... I think there are a couple other negatives. Like, I thought Nylander had a pretty weak series. Didn't really score much. Was pretty weak defensively. But, I mean, we've seen Nylander have some big playoff series for them in the past. Obviously, he had that big play for them in overtime. Um, Not in game six, but I think it was game five where he drew the penalty. Um, No, that was game four. Um, And then you look at, you know... Tavares and O'Reilly, I would have liked to see them dominate a little bit more because, as I alluded to, like they should be winning their minutes against Tampa's middle six, um, but they did both have huge goals, you know. So you can't complain too much. The results are there. I don't think anyone really cares about the goals at the end of the day as long as you win. Um,
1: hopefully yeah, that's not a sign. You're, you're, yeah, especially when they're over point per game, right? So yeah, that, you like, just hope it's not a we sign. We just haven't of seen that in the
0: past. As long as it's not a sign of things to come, you're 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 fine. Like who cares? But
1: yeah. T- talking of that though, who who do you? Uh... So I put out a tweet today actually. Just uh, every year I always put out a fill in the blanks after the series. Well, usually it's before the series. Sometimes after the series, but usually the Leafs lose. So for the first time, we had a series win. So we've already talked about series MVP. Just really quickly, like who's your biggest pleasant surprise? Chen. For sure, Shen That's, biggest disappointment. That can't be a that can't be a
0: question. Like Shen, had fairly low expectations, and was outstanding. There are and other. Mine options. was
1: mine was Morgan Riley. Yeah, mine yeah, was. Yeah, Riley.
0: Riley's fine, but but Riley's a 1000000 half million dollar player, and, and Shen's an eight hundred k, right? So I have to pick Shen, but yeah, and there were other pleasant surprises, now, for sure.
1: Now all these can be on both teams. You can pick a Tampa guy too, uh, but so biggest disappointment. You can go for Tampa. You can go for a Leaf.
0: Well, because Tampa lost, I feel like you got to pick on Tampa. Like, I don't know if Vasilevsky let in bad goals or if he just was, like, if, if the Leafs were really lucky, like, in terms of deflections and screens. Um, I definitely think the Leafs were a little bit fortunate in the series, like, at times. Like, they didn't outplay Tampa all that much, if at all. I would argue maybe Tampa even outplayed Toronto in the series. Um, and then you you look at Vasilevsky as, like, the star Potentially the best goaltender in, in the NHL, especially come playoff time, and you know he didn't really steal them a game, which was refreshing because we've seen goalie after goalie steal games against the Leafs in the past. Um, so I think he definitely has to be in there. Though I think part of that was just bad luck rather than poor performance at times. And then I think the other player on, I mean, you could go through Tampa's lineup like that. The the point Kucherov duo didn't play all that well, but you know, I do think they're up against top competition. Like, I do really think the McKay-Brody pairing is a good shutdown pair, and I do really think that the Leafs are just so much better defensively than they used to be, like, years ago. Um, like, when you have Matthews, who's really good 2A, you have Camp for defensive zone starts, you have O'Reilly, you have guys like Aston Reese and Acharya, you have Marner, who's fantastic defensively, Kerfoot's fantastic defensively. Uh, I can kind of see why they disappointed at 5-on-5. The other guy, Sergeyev, like, I thought Hedman was outstanding, especially if he wasn't hundred um, percent. But the Leafs kind of bullied Sergachev, and nice to see because I f- I think Sergachev's had some dirty hits. I know he had one that he got a suspension on Marner a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the other one for me.
1: Yeah, I think two good picks. I think Vasilevsky, His our expectations of him are so so high. Like we've seen him steal games even throughout the regular season, throughout the playoffs all these years so i think he was disappointing from that point of view um sergachev's an interesting player i think you know i try to watch shifts after the game just because it's it's much easier to just analyze the game and sergachev does so many things well but if you watch him on the highlight package like he's on the ice for a lot of big goals and he looks kind of silly in a lot of those so i don't know if it's just a coincidence but just feels like sergachev's on the ice kind of being a kind of being the victim and and being the reason why goals are scored on Tampa. It happens more often than, than I think we even notice, but my big disappointment is Tanner Janot. I mean, you have your, you have your general manager who just gave, gave up a whole draft class and zero points. I didn't even think he was that effective. I think the most that I really noticed him was when he was on the bench, kind of mouthing off to nice and, and to Shen. So I don't know. I, uh, He's easily my biggest disappointment given the the trade that they made for him. Yeah, I remember after that trade happened,
0: like, all the Leafs fans, like, freaking out. Like, you got to go do this. You got to go do that because I got Janot. And it's like, okay, like, (laughs) you look back at it now. And maybe a guy like Shen did help like that. But at the same time, like, Janot is not worth worrying about in
1: hindsight. Um, Yeah, 100%. One last... Two more questions here. Okay, quick here. I want to watch
0: this Jays game.
1: No, we they just won the series. We the Jays. This is like team, what, fifteen? No. no, no Leafs no no Jays corner today. Like this is you know, this is nineteen years in the making. So Unsung Hero. Uh Unsung Hero. I'll go with Chari. So, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, I I went uh, I went Jake Bacabe. I mean we've already talked about him, but this can be our segue to ending this podcast, even though I probably think we could go for another three hours, which I feel like some fans would like that, just given how uh, how awesome last night was. But Boston or Florida, huge Game 7 tonight. Um, It'll be so nice to just watch without worrying and knowing that we're already in the second round. But who do you want to play, Boston or Florida? Okay, it's it's Florida, but it has to be Florida. But some a lot of people have said Boston. They they want to exercise maybe from an games. entertainment
0: standpoint. But like you don't want to play Boston for like to maximize your chances of winning the cup. So it, it's definitely Florida, like one thousand percent. But who do you think is going to win? Is, is I think the the bigger well, I don't question. Know. Like it is.
1: Yeah, you know. Look I said at your, the your. Uh,
0: we need I, a prediction. I, out I of you. said.
1: Yeah, I mean, I did say. My prediction at the beginning on Boston-Florida was it was going to be a good series because Florida is a very good 5-on-5 team and they've outplayed Boston for the majority of the series. Um, I didn't think it was, they were going to be close to winning. I thought Boston's goaltending was going to be a big difference but and just special teams in general. But I hope Florida wins. I think I think the Leafs are due to play a goalie that's not prime carry Price, Vasilevsky, Holpe, or... Um, like Corpasalo, like when he was just really, really good. I just think they're they're we're due for playing a non-top five or top three goalie of that year. So I don't want to play Allmark. That's even if Florida kind of outplays the Leafs at five on five, which I think there's going to be instances and in games where they will, because I think they're just a very good five on five team, but. I think the Leafs can definitely LPDO Florida a lot easier than Boston. So I definitely want Florida to yeah. win. I'm going to be rooting for them tonight. Well, I think Boston's going to win. I think Boston blows them out.
0: That's my game seven prediction. So we'll see how. Uh, blows them out.
1: Wow. Love it. Yeah.
0: We'll see how bad this take is. Hopefully, I'm wrong. I would like to see the Leafs play Florida. um, yeah. But who knows? I'm. Yeah. Like, it would be pretty cool to see a Leafs Florida series. I mean, we've seen the Leafs Boston so many times, but. Who knows? Who knows? But thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, we have a lot more playoff wins and playoff round wins to talk about as we go on here. Um, Just nice, very refreshing to to talk about a playoff series win, something we've never done before. But thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see everybody soon.